Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking sets, reps, workout timing, and post-workout nutrition. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 98 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we are talking about things we get a lot of questions about. How many sets should I do per body part per week? We're also going to go over reps and different rep schemes and what they mean for certain training programs. We're also going to talk about workout timing. What does the research say in terms of the optimal time of the day to work out and what to eat post-workout? So, Nicole. Yes, Jerome. Let's get the ball rolling here. (laughs) Okay. And I think we're going to start off by talking about sets and how many sets to do per week. So I want to kind of put some perspective on this. Okay. I want to talk about how we kind of break up the week generally. From a lifting standpoint, you're talking about. You know what? Let's start. Let's start here. We're going to actually start in the kind of uh, opposite way or reverse way. We're just going to move some things around a little bit. So I want to start with talking about uh, workout frequency, and then we'll Mm -hmm. talk about number of sets per week, because I think that makes uh, a little bit more More sense, sense. right? So in terms of workout frequency, the old methodology, and we're talking hypertrophy and building muscle here, or potentially even maintaining muscle, right? Mm -hmm. So what we used to do was bro splits, or at least what I used to do was bro splits, where it's like, speak for yourself, buddy, Monday chest, (laughs) Tuesday legs, then back another day, then shoulders one day and arms another day, right? But what the research currently shows in terms of workout frequency is that you're much better off doing the same body part multiple times in the week and doing less reps spread out throughout the week or the same number of reps, let's say spread out throughout the week. So what I mean by that is, for example, and the example I always use is chest. So if I'm doing 20 sets of chest on Monday, because Monday's national chest day, and that's when we do chest. If I'm doing 20 sets of a chest workout on Monday, and that's the only time that I'm hitting my chest, I'm not going to get as good an outcome as if I'm splitting that up between two or three separate workouts. So if I did 20 sets of chest on Monday versus splitting up 20 sets between Monday and let's say Thursday. So I did 10 on Monday and 10 on Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a better outcome in terms of muscle simulating muscle protein synthesis and muscle hypertrophy and building muscle if I split that up. And the reason why is we have this kind of, if you can picture like a curve, right. And and you have a graph, right? So you have this, uh, muscle protein synthesis coming up and then it starts to level off and then it starts to come down. And then on Thursday, you want to catch that wave and elevate it again. So essentially what happens is you want to keep muscle protein synthesis elevated throughout the entire week. Now you can split this up in two or three workouts. But what the research points out is that it's more beneficial to do it in at least two workouts a week. So myself included where I used to do something like bro splits and I used to just train a muscle one time a week. And I definitely got great results doing that. 
Now I split it up and I train everything twice a week. So I will do with the exception mm -hmm. of shoulders. I don't hit shoulders. I only hit that once a week um, just because there's not enough time in, in the week. And I have to kind of prioritize what I want to hit and when I want to yeah. hit it. But I'll end up hitting two leg workouts and then I'll do two push pull workouts and then I'll do like a shoulder slash accessory. And I'll also yeah. mix in a little bit of accessory with some of my other upper body workouts. Yep. So when you did chest all in one day, you like literally would destroy your chest and then recover for the whole week before you would hit it again. When you yeah, did yeah, bro yeah. splits like that yep. was the theory, right? Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is a lot of the bodybuilding world is still doing that. Yeah, they still. Yeah. So when you split it up into two push pull days now, like say you if that's what you structure it as, um, it's not like you, you know, I always explain this to clients, not like you still can't crush your chest in those two days with the 10 and 10 versus the 20 on one. I feel like sometimes people think they're not getting enough if they don't work it as hard. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, cause I've had guys that come to me and they're like, I just totally destroyed my chest. And then I, I can't move my arms for like four days. So that's kind of the old bro split mentality, but I'm like, okay, well, if you crush it two days and still can be, you still can be sore. You don't have to do it all in one kind of shot. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But you know what I'm saying? But then at that point, we also have to have the conversation of your uh, equating soreness, muscle right. soreness with the uh, with the effect, with the effectiveness of the workout. Right. And the yeah. issue with that is that muscle soreness really has nothing to do with the effectiveness of the workout. I will only get sore when I vary my program. And many yes. of my clients will only get sore in that first week or two of a new program. And soreness is just basically an indication of metabolic waste, right? And, yeah. and our body's ability to uh, do get, get rid of that metabolic waste. It's essentially you have like hydrogen, you have like acidity building up in the muscle uh, and you have to metabolize that and excrete, excrete that. And, you know, lactate turns back into glucose and things like that, right? You have all these metabolic things going on inside of your body, but it, it really has very little to do or not really nothing at all to do with the effectiveness of the workout. Even if you're not getting sore, you're still increasing muscle protein synthesis. You're still providing a stimulus as long as you're working hard enough, right? And you're pushing yourself through, yeah. through your workouts. Yeah. I just want to bring that up because that's a common um, question I get when I do start changing, especially my male program. Like if I get a male client and I change up their programs and I switch things around like that, they're like, but Nicole, I'm not as sore. Like, well, you're still creating great change. And of course they always get better results, but I kind of feel like sometimes I have to prove myself in that. Yeah. And listen, area. we also want to look at, uh, we have DOMS, right? Delayed onset yeah. muscle soreness and delayed. If you're, if you're sore for too many days, that means that you overtrain. Yeah. Too much. Right. You're not able to recover adequately from that workout. Mm -hmm. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is since we've talked about how to break up those sets is how many sets is optimal. So mm -hmm. the first thing I'm going to say about this is when you start a workout, uh, the essentially what we're doing when we're counting sets is we're not talking about warm up sets, right? So we're looking at it from a perspective and I'll give you an example. Like normally when I do squats, I'll do six sets, but the first two I'm warming up and the way that we define a warm up versus a, uh, an actual working set is you're coming close, pretty close to failure. Like you've only got two or three in the tank. So engaging that it's like, well, if you're not coming pretty close to failure and that's not really that hard, I wouldn't even consider that a working set. I would just mm -hmm. say, Hey, that those are warm up sets. And normally yeah. what I do is I'll do warm up sets for the first exercise 
in that circuit, in that circuit. body part, right? So let's say it's legs. My first exercise is squat. I'm going to do warm up sets for that. And then I'm pretty warm, ready to go for the rest of my exercises. Maybe on a leg press, if I hit squats and then leg press, I might do one, one or two warm ups there. But, you know, everything else is going to be pretty close to failure for the rest of the workout. Same thing with chest. If I start with a bench press, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a couple of warm up sets, but then I go into dumbbells and they're just going to be hard going right into it. Yeah. When it comes to the number of sets that you should be doing during a workout, what we find is that there's a dose response relationship between muscle growth and number of sets. So we're, we're talking strictly muscle hypertrophy here. The dose response relationship shows that below 10 isn't going to be optimal. Below 10, you're not really working hard enough. You're not doing enough, right? So for example, that person that's doing a chest workout twice a week on Monday and Thursday, if you're doing five total sets on Monday, and then another five on Thursday, you're not really going to optimize and really be able to capitalize on those gains. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to be anywhere between 10 and 20 uh, sets per week. Some research suggests actually previously suggested that 20 was the cap, right? That like, once you hit 20, you're going to have, again, like I'm picturing the graph in my head and maybe I put post it on Instagram or something, but what, what, what previous research had suggested was that the range is between 10 and 20. So at least 10 and then, and then you cap out at 20. And once you hit 20, you level out. And then once you go past a certain point past 20, let's say you did 25, then you started, started to get diminishing returns. Uh, However, there's more, some more recent research that came out. There's some different research that came out that had suggested that really there is no cap. What I'll say is this, when it comes to the number of sets that you're choosing, if you're a beginner and you're just getting started, you are going to wildly benefit from being closer to that number of 10 and mm-hmm. being closer to 20 for you as a newbie lifter. Yeah, it, it might be a little it might be overtraining for you. Right. Well, and it's also time consuming for someone that's brand new that has to do that many. Yeah. So from a habit standpoint, it might be, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I oftentimes get people who aren't used to lifting and dedicating X amount Mm -hmm. of time per week to their workouts. Like they may need to start with half hour workouts. So we may only be able to fit in 10 sets per 10, 11 or 12 sets per body part. Uh, For people who are more seasoned, you want to be closer to 20 and maybe beyond. Absolutely. The last thing I would say to that, too, is I've also used kind of different times and phases of training where I've had, I mean, always my newbies always start off on the lower end of sets and then you progressively build them up as they get more advanced. And then I've also taken some of my advanced clients that have been pounding and pushing and going hard. And I've also brought them down, believe it or not, and been like, okay, let's like scale back a little bit, give your body a bit of a break and then kind of worked them back up. I think it's what you called it the dose. And I feel like sometimes the dose can be deadly in any range, depending on who the person is, what their training age is, the amount of time they can work out. And that can vary even whether you're a newbie or someone that's been exercising a long time or lifting a long time. So I think it really depends on the person and where they're starting, what their goal is and how long they've been there and then where they want to go. Yeah. I mean, listen, you look at guys that are like Kai green, for example, he would do like 30 sets in a workout for one body part. That's yeah, so it's insane. insane. But, you know, again, now we have to also talk. But about, you also have uh, to look at who he is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we also have to talk about enhanced versus non-enhanced yeah, right? Exactly. performance enhancement. Uh, and, and that's kind of like when we had that conversation with uh, Dr. Bill Campbell, where he was like, right. 
you know, at, you, when you're looking at the research for it's, it's mostly, listen, who's doing research on enhanced athletes, yeah. right? It's yeah. a, it's a small percentage of that population. Mm-hmm. So the majority of the research is done on natural lifters. And right. so we, we don't really know, but I would guess because their recovery is so much, uh, so faster. much faster, right? Their mm-hmm. bodies become so much more resilient from a recovery standpoint, um, that they can get away with really doing yeah. more and overtraining for an enhanced athlete looks a lot different than mm-hmm. overtraining for somebody who's natural. Yeah. Or, and then even different level or range for someone who's just starting out as a brand new lifter, you know? So it depends. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Nicole, let's move on to reps. Okay. We've talked about this. We've kind of hashed it out uh, previously. Um, but I think there's a little bit of this that I want to touch up on that has been, and I think still is a common misconception, but first I Mm want to go into uh, your typical rep ranges that you're looking for, depending on your goals. So goal, goal oriented rep ranges, your rep ranges, if you're looking to get stronger are typically going to be from one to five. Uh, so you may be, maybe doing three by threes, three by fives, five by fives. You may be mm-hmm. maxing out every once in a while. Obviously you don't want to max out every single week, but <laughs> you, you want to uh, be in that one to five rep range. And, and what we find in the research is that that is for most people, right? Everything that we're talking about here is yeah. uh, we're, we're talking about statistically speaking, it's more likely that this is going to be the case. So one to five is going to be the range for strength. Six to 12 reps is going to be the range for muscle hypertrophy. And there is some research to suggest that if you're on the higher end of that range, that you, that's going to be more optimal. So for myself personally, I like to train in the eight to 12 range. Mm -hmm. These days I don't really go uh, in, in 12, although I will say that I have done pyramid programs where I'll be completely in that, uh, rep range and I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to do. I guess I'm like in all spectrums of that rep rep range with being with in the pyramid where I'm like 12, 10, eight, six is going to be my reps for my four sets for that exercise. Normally we program what three to four uh, sets per, uh, per exercise. And I'm going to increase the weight. This is why it's a pyramid because the weight's going up as the reps are going down. Uh, So that's, that's a possibility with that too. Uh, Nowadays I'm more, I, I'm not as strict with my, my bodybuilding. I I'm really more working towards maintaining my physique, Mm -hmm. uh, than anything else because I'm not bodybuilding competitively anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then muscular endurance is 13 plus. And an interesting thing about muscle growth and muscular endurance rep ranges is that there are some people that will have a better response to higher repetitions in that endurance, uh, phase. And Nicole, you and I have done some workouts together where we've done, I'm like, all right, cool. Like we're going to crush it. We're going to do 20. We're going to do 25. We're going to do 30. I've done like heavy, heavy 315 squats with like 20 plus reps, which Mm -hmm. is brutal. Um, but there is also some research that suggests that your muscles actually aren't necessarily growing more, but you're increasing volume because you're increasing uh, fluid and inflammation in the muscle. So it appears that your muscles are getting bigger doing that, but that it may not be the case. Although there are some, uh, I would say kind of genetic outliers where there are people that just respond better to higher repetition. So all of this said in terms of rep ranges, you have to do really what works for you. Are you going to get stronger in a hypertrophy rep range doing six to 12? 
yes, you can absolutely can get stronger in that. But what's going to be optimal for strength for most people is going to be one to five. Yeah, I love mixing it up. I think when I was a, a younger trainer, I was very um, strict in like I would pick a phase endurance hypertrophy and I would keep a client there for like four, eight, 12 weeks and then I would rotate. And now I mix everything up. Even within a workout, I'll do high rep range for a certain leg work exercise. I'll do a low rep range for a body part that may be lagging that they want to get stronger on. Like I love mixing things up and my clients one get great results Two, it's, it keeps them kind of on their toes too. Cause they have to pay attention to their program, which I like too. They don't get mindlessly off, you know, right. Well, so thinking about what they're doing. So then here's the thing. There's also something to be said for, even if your client just comes to you and has a muscle building goal and they just mm -hmm. say, I just want to build muscle. You still have to put them through some strength phases. Yeah, of course. Right. So th there's always with, with all this said in terms of how many reps. Yeah. You have to have different cycles of your program, right? You want to go through different phases of your program yeah. and you want to have weeks or months, I, I would say of doing strength training. And then you want that increase in strength to be able to carry over into hypertrophy. And that's what's called mm -hmm. progressive overload, right? You're yeah. able to get stronger. Okay. Now let's take the strength that you developed and let's mm -hmm. build that up in your next hypertrophy phase. We're going to do the same exercises, but we're going to yeah. do it at higher rep ranges. We might change one or two exercises, but normally when we vary the programs, it's not going to be wildly different. Right. A lot of the exercises, the staples are still going to be in there. You're going to have a lunge pattern in your, in your, in your yeah. leg workout. You're going to have a squat pattern and you're going to have maybe some type of hinging, but you're going to basically keep it the same for the most part. And you're going to increase the reps and then you're going to take that strength and you're going to try and build up to what right, you did next, in your strength phase. Exactly. Right. Or, or pretty close to it. I, I won't say you, that you necessarily always get a client to that exact weight, but you'll mm -hmm. get them pretty close. Right. So if somebody, let's say was able to do five reps consistently of a deadlift, I'll use that mm -hmm. because I've been using a lot of squats and bench press. So let's switch it up. Right. So mm -hmm. if somebody were, was able to do five reps at a, of a deadlift and let's say the weight was, I don't know, Nicole, give me a weight. 195, 195, right? So let's say the weight was 195 and you were able to do five. Now you want to try and let's say the last time you did your hypertrophy, uh, part of your program, uh, you were maybe doing 165, mm -hmm. right? I'm just throwing out random numbers. We could work in percentages if we wanted to, but I'm just going to yeah. throw out random numbers. Maybe you were doing 165. So now you want to maybe do 185 or 190 and build, build up and get up to that point with your six to 12 rep range, maybe do eight to 12, uh, in that, you know, 190. Uh, and then when you go back into your next strength phase, now you're, you're stronger again at higher rep ranges. And then you're, you're basically repeating that cycle, like rinse, repeat, recycle, do it all over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, the ultimate goal behind strength training is to gain strength. That's why they call it strength training. So whatever phase you're in, Ultimately, you're still gaining some sort of strength, whether it be in that individual phase, endurance, strength, hypertrophy, strength, or even power. If you get into a power phase, you're you're trying to gain strength in that area so that you then become stronger when you switch to other aspects of strength training. And I think people get really confused or maybe get too, um, uh, what is it, rigid 
because that's what I would describe myself as a younger trainer. I was very the, rigid. And, you don't allow yourself flexibility in the program. Yeah. I was like, you have to do it this way. This way. And now I'm like, okay, I've learned this on my own body, building my own strength that when I let go and had a little bit more flexibility, I actually, not only did I get stronger, but my workouts are also going to bring that fun aspect back into own. I like to have fun in it. Mixing it up is fun. Like you said, you're always going to have the patterns of movement. They're staples in, in any phase of training how you do them, the sets and reps that you work within the program may be varied, but, and the exercises can vary, but ultimately the goal is to get stronger. I'm going to say two things. You're constant. You have this balance between strength and endurance when you're doing, going through your Mm -hmm. cycles of training Uh, and then endurance being those higher rep ranges. And I think newbie lifters, it's important if you're just starting out, I like to start people out in a endurance phase. uh, And this is like, textbook coming out of like the NASM book, yeah. uh, which is um, for those of you that don't know, National Academy of Sports Medicine, it's one of the uh, uh, certification books, but it's like endurance is the first phase. And then you, you move through the phases of training, starting with endurance, especially for newbie lifters. Mm-hmm. So what I will say is if you're new, you want to start in that higher rep range, uh, build some endurance and then go into strength and hypertrophy and so on and so forth. Speaking of higher reps, the the misconception that I wanted to talk about is, and this is the question that we pose here is, are higher reps better for burning more body fat? And this Mm -hmm. has been a longstanding misconception that if you do more reps with lighter weight, if I'm looking to build muscle and and bulk up per se, kind of quote unquote, then I want to do lower reps at a higher weight. But if I want to lose weight, then I'm going to do that more efficiently if I do higher reps at a lower weight. So I'll kind of reference the research here uh, and talk about what we know metabolically speaking. Uh, And this is kind of similar to some of the things that we know around like doing cardio versus doing um, uh, strength training. Higher reps burn more calories than lower reps. If you're looking at it from a standpoint of uh, five reps versus 10 reps, like if you do five reps of something versus 10 reps, the 10 reps are gonna burn 10% more calories roughly speaking, give or take. Now I'm going to put some context on that, right? We're not talking like myself, 200 something pound individual. If I picked up five pound dumbbells, that would basically do nothing for me. (laughs) Um, But it's, we're talking about what's happening during your workout. So yeah, maybe you're burning 10% more by doing higher volume during your workout, but heavier weight and lower reps will burn more calories after your workout. Because what we know about excess post oxygen consumption is that the recovery from that, the demand is higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more metabolic waste product that you have to do away with. There's higher oxygen consumption for a longer period of time. So essentially you're burning more calories in 24 hours uh, post-workout, right? So in looking at that, it, it's kind of one of those things, again, like we talked about when we talked about uh, your, your fasted cardio versus not doing fasted cardio, it ends up balancing itself out. So for me, I always say if you're trying to lose body fat, the, one of the wisest things that you could do to keep your muscle is to keep your strength yes. through, throughout oh, your cutting phase. Right. So my suggestion is keep your weights as high as possible and try and have moderate reps. Right. Try and Mm -hmm. I I like to put people in cutting phases in hypertrophy rep ranges because that's what seems to stimulate adequate muscle protein synthesis. So I I don't know where this kind of thought came from that, like, oh, well, Well, I think. Go ahead. I think because I'm going to interrupt you, I think because there's a difference between weight loss and fat loss. 
And there's a different difference between maintaining muscle, building muscle. Like I think it just gets really muddy and people think again, they get really rigid in their mindset and their way of thinking instead of really paying attention to the overall goal. I mean, again, I say, <laughs> I say this to clients literally every hour on the hour during the day, you're doing strength training to get stronger. That's number one. The weight loss, the fat loss, you go, we got to work on nutrition, sleep, stress. Like there's a whole other slew of things that need to happen, but the strength training solely, no one thing is going to do it. So you need to make sure you're adequately hitting. Right. So you bring, you bring up a good point. People will be like, okay, cool. I'm going to do, I'm going to do higher. I'm going to do higher reps, but I'm not going to be in a calorie deficit. You're not going to lose weight. You're not losing shit. You ain't going to do it. Not happening. So you can't strength training is for training your strength and your entire body. That's the goal. The byproduct is what your physique looks like from doing strength training, but you have to pay attention to you. I mean, we eat right. Nutrition is about nutrition. That's the piece of this that is more important when it comes to listen. I mean, from a, from a realistic standpoint, I could have gone to school and studied exercise science, but the nutrition yeah. to me was the a the most the game changer. It's the most fascinating piece to me. Yeah. Um, I think I think I'm just also better at biochemistry than I am um, physics, like, right? Yeah. But because uh, <laughs> I suck at math and physics is a lot of math, but I also knew at the time that I started studying nutrition that it was the most important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Listen, I, we, we both, how many times, I mean, I personally will speak for myself. I've lifted and worked hard and crushed workouts in the gym. And when my attrition isn't on point, nothing changed. I get stronger, which is epic because, but I'm yeah. still not going to create the body fat change oh, that I so want. So nine times out, doing that nine times out of 10, when somebody says I've, I'm, I've been just lifting consistently and not getting results. I'm like, it's nine times out of 10, it's your nutrition. And the 10th time out of those 10 times is going to be, you're just not working hard enough. Yeah. All right. So let's move along. Let's talk about time of day of training. And what I will say is you are most likely going to do what works for you best uh, in your schedule. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you have a demanding job. Maybe you need to work out in the morning. Maybe you need to do it fasted. Maybe you need to do it fed. Maybe you need to work out in the evening after work. Uh, Maybe you need maybe you have an opportunity to work out in the afternoon. But let's talk about what the research says in terms of time of day of training. So there is a study that used 72 subjects and measured uh, muscle gains, muscle hypertrophy, uh, and strength in individuals training in the morning versus the evening. Uh, The individuals only did really, I think it was like two workouts a week. The results of the research show that the evening is actually a better time to train than the morning. And I've heard over the years, a lot of theories on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, and the morning was your testosterone is higher in the morning and your growth hormone, right? So your hormone levels are higher in the morning. So it's better to train in the morning. Um, but what the research suggests is that it's actually better to train in the evening. And I'll say that that time frame is going to be anywhere from 3 PM to 9 PM. That time frame is going to change and vary de- really depending on what time you work out. But the most important factors that it seems like the most important factors from a, a timing of your workout perspective is you're more adequately hydrated later in the day. You have higher glycogen later in the day. You're better fed later in the day. You have a higher core temperature and core temperature, increased core temperature is highly correlated 
with exercise performance, according to the research. So with all those things said, even in myself, I always had like a two meal rule. I need to have at least two meals and then I feel like I get a good workout. And I always actually kind of, I find, I felt this when I was bodybuilding that if yeah. I just had breakfast and went in to hit a workout, like there are some days where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to go later. I'm just going to go now. And then I'll have breakfast and I'll hit my workout. It's not the same as when I hit my workout after two meals. And then yeah. that's usually midday. Yeah. That's interesting because I mean, the word better aggravates me in this conversation because I don't think anything is better than I well, really whatever is better for you for the person. I'm all about the individual. But I will say this. It's not even that I don't want to work out in the morning. I am not awake. <laughs> being able to lunge from a coordination standpoint and just being actually awake, both mentally and physically, oh, you're like, like yawning through the work. I'm yeah, I'm like, I'm not there. So for me, me, even after two meals, it's not even about the meals for me. I'm like, I, I need to get up and have my morning routine and like, I need to actually get, I'm a cardio. I like doing cardio in the morning, like my walks, or if I'm going to do a spin or do my Peloton, I'd, I'd rather do that first in the morning that actually wakes me up and gets me a little sweaty, get some blood flow. And then I feel like my brain is functioning. I like to work midday or evening. I always have, but I don't know if that's also because when I danced, we we danced later in the day too. So I don't know if I'm conditioned to do that too. Well, let me give you also a caveat because okay. we talk about it depends. Everything that we talk about depends, depends. really, right? Yeah. Uh, we're just <laughs> we're just giving you the research breakdown. But if you have somebody that does manual labor mm -hmm. for a living, mm -hmm. they're tired. They've been working all day. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So then you go to the gym like you might be beat by the time yeah, yeah. you might be shot by the time you get to the gym. So maybe you do want to work out before work. Yeah. With five, and that's be part of that, that 5 a.m. crew. 5 a.m. crew. Yeah. Listen, the five, shout out to the 5 a.m. crew because I think they're amazing. I say it all the time because I walk in, I go into the gym to see clients um, or I go into the gym to like just be in work. Um, but I'm, I wouldn't be able to work out. I can show up and pay attention and be awake, but I can't physically work out. It's just not, it's not right for me, but they're crushing it. So I, you know, better than to me is really mm, okay, but depends on the person. And it also depends on the routine. Like if you're someone that works a first shift, if you work 7am to three or 6am to two or 530 to one, like obviously you're, it's going to be a different schedule depending on what you can do. If you're someone that works a second shift, maybe you work out better midday right before you go to work to give you energy. I have some medical professionals that work like 11, uh, like 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. Then they'll go home and sleep for a couple hours and then they get up and work out. It depends or a seven to seven for some. You know, that's nurse. interesting. I'm, I'm wondering about uh, how it's how what how it affects them if they go to sleep and then wake up again. Yeah. And yeah. then go like wh where what is your core temperature at that point? Yeah. What is your, you know, all, all the stuff that we just talked about. Yeah, it's really interesting because I have a lot of my shift. My client ranges in terms of sh shifts of, of work is really all over the place. It's really interesting to hear how they feel when they finish. Like if they work a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., I have some nurses that have to get their workout in before they go home and sleep. I, I, I got to say, you the, know, it's the, tough. It's tough. I'm, I'm kind of like anti I'm anti and I'm anti anti circadian rhythm. Like, if that makes sense. Right. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like like human yeah. beings were some were meant to are meant yeah, for but. the most part. And we, we do adapt and adjust. But I find that for myself, the clients that really have the hardest time mm -hmm. adapting is 
gonna are there gonna be those night shift workers it's very yeah. difficult to be a night shift. like i could never do it kudos to you i for think doing it has it, but... this is what i'm trying to say it's a, it's a specific type of person the ones that do it successfully that they lose weight my clients are crap they're doing great we just work really hard to figure out i'm like okay when you get off work some of them are revved up and really like kind of up and they need to work out and get it out and then they can go home and they actually sleep for the day and feel great before their next if they have a day off or they have another shift. Yeah. Some of them come out exhausted and they're like, I just, I can't, I got to go home and get a couple hours sleep in before I go to the gym. So it depends. So again, it depends on the person. Really, you do have to do what's best for you. I don't want this to be, uh, this is an end all be all and I have to do this. And Nicole, like you said right. before, you being rigid with it and then it's all or nothing. And then you end up just not doing it. Do what works yeah. for you. Uh, we're just kind of presenting uh, what the current body of research says. All right. So moving along to the next one, Nicole is post-workout nutrition. So there are a couple of things that I'm going to talk about when it comes to post-workout nutrition, and uh, we'll put into context the timing of your post-workout nutrition after I talk about what goes into your post-workout nutrition. So uh, the first thing we know is that when you work out, you increase muscle protein synthesis, which is basically your body's ability to take the amino acids that are in your body or the amino acids that you consume and synthesize them into muscle protein and basically build muscle. So uh, your muscle protein synthesis goes up right after a workout. And then what the research shows is that if you have protein right after your workout, that also further increases muscle protein synthesis. And the amount of protein is said to be anywhere between 20 to 40 grams of protein post-workout. So at least 20 grams and at most 40, because that seems to be where you level off in terms of muscle protein synthesis. So let's say at 50 grams of protein, most people, and again, I say most people because there are outliers, but for most people at 40 grams of protein after a workout, that's where you're going to maximize muscle protein synthesis. And at an, an extra 10 grams or 20 grams, it's not necessarily going to hurt you. You're just not going to get an added benefit. So if you do one of those, uh, you know, like those shakes that uh, GNC pushes, like those whey bollock shakes, that's 60 grams of protein. Uh, yeah. Those, those, it's just not going to benefit. You're going to benefit from the first 40 and then the rest is just going to be extra calories. From a carb standpoint with your workouts, muscle. So there are two things going on. Uh, Number one, your insulin sensitivity increases after a workout. So your body's basically primed for carbohydrates. So it is a good idea to get carbohydrates in. Uh, your muscle gl glycogen resynthesis is typically higher immediately after your workout. And uh, there also may be, depending on the workout and the intensity of the workout and how much glycogen was depleted during the workout, there also may be some level of supercompensation where you actually will absorb uh, a higher amount of glycogen post-workout. And what I will say is I did previously on one of our early, early podcasts, I did mention that insulin is counter-regulatory to growth hormone and growth hormone goes up after your workout. So why would you want to have something that's counter-regulatory? Uh, but I'm going to correct myself in that podcast by saying now that I've read deeper into it, uh, what it actually turns out is that growth hormone goes up after your workout and it's growth when growth hormone is actually combined with insulin. That's when growth hormone is anabolic. And in the absence of insulin, growth hormone is actually catabolic. So correcting myself there, 
what you want to do ultimately is you want to take, you actually want to take advantage of the growth hormone and insulin together. And how are you going to get insulin by refeeding yourself and eating carbohydrates? And then you're going to get that anabolic effect. So from a muscle glycogen resynthesis standpoint, like I said, it's typically higher immediately after a workout. We're going to be looking at 25 to 30 grams of carbohydrate post-workout is probably going to be the range that you want to be in. What I will say, what matters most though, even more importantly than the carbs that you're having post-workout, and the same applies to protein, is protein free feeding frequency throughout the day and the total number that you're getting, right? The number total is, is going to be more important. Like if you're doing post-workout protein and you're just focused on that, but you're not getting adequate protein for the day, that's not going to benefit you. And the same goes for carbs. If you're just doing post-workout carbs and then you're not eating enough carbs throughout the day, you're not going to maximize muscle growth. So mm -hmm. when it's all said and done, you really just have to focus on your nutrition as a whole. And then what I'll say is the last macronutrient, the third macronutrient is going to be fat. I, what I would say is what the research kind of points to is minimizing fats post-workout may be more optimal because fat may have the potential to delay gastric emptying, which will slow the digestion and absorption of the carbs that you're eating. And speaking about digestion and absorption of the carbs that you're eating post-workout, what it seems like is that something like a whey protein, highly bioavailable, already kind of pre-digested uh, would be your best source after your workout. And for carbohydrates, something uh, a little bit more simple on the simple side, like a lot of people use like dextrose powder and, and stuff like that. However, I will say that what you're doing post-workout is going to be dependent on A, your entire day and B, what you did pre-workout. And the reason why is because that one hour window after your workout is, you know, we used to think think of that as the anabolic window. Oh, well, I have to get in uh, protein within an hour after my workout. Otherwise I'm going to ruin all my progress. And what we actually find is that muscle protein synthesis is elevated for far longer than that. And you actually have 36 to 48 hours to really kind of replenish. So you've, you've got almost two days to replenish your everything, your muscle glycogen, your, your protein maximize on muscle protein synthesis. Uh, so what I'll say when it comes to post-workout nutrition is if you just had a pretty solid meal that has an adequate amount of carbs and protein, and maybe some fats right before your workout, then it's not as important to have something immediately after your workout, you may be able to get away with like two or three hours later, just having a meal. Um, mm -hmm. If you didn't have anything or you worked out fasted or or it's been a while since you've had a meal, you're not really going to have those circulating amino acids to rely on. So then you may want to have something within an hour of, of that workout just to optimize on that because you worked out either fasted or it's been a while since you've had a meal. What I'll say personally, again, and this goes back to what's more important to me. Like I'm, I kind of consider myself, like I'm not as intense as I used to be with my training. So I'm kind of like a moderate lifter. So I, I used to really focus on post-workout nutrition and really focus on the, the grams and what I'm getting. But nowadays I'm like, I'm just going to eat a meal after my workout. And it's not like, I'm not going to get results doing that. We're just talking in terms of what's optimal and what's not. Yeah.
All right. So, Nicole, that is basically our episode in a nutshell. We talked about the number of sets to do. We talked about the uh, number of reps and different rep ranges and cycling your program. We also talked about uh, the time of day of your training. And we also discussed a little bit about post-workout nutrition and that anabolic, that quote unquote anabolic window and, you know, how big it is or small it is, or what we used to think was small and now is big. That's pretty much it. That That's as far as I'm going to go with a recap for today. I know I normally go a little deeper into the recap, but I think we're good. And if you want to recap, just uh, re-listen to this episode. And uh, that's all I got for you. So with that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 